the elephant in the room when it comes to family. Typically, this time of year, this time of the year, most churches, what they do is they spend the month of January praying and fasting and uh, the Daniel's plan. And, um, and since we did pray first uh, in September, uh, we felt that we already got that down pack at least um, the next couple of months. But we realized that there's an area that we need to fortify and strengthen, and that is the area of family, marriages, homes. Because some of us are very good in doing the church thing, but we have challenges in doing the family thing. And sometimes our church experience does not coincide with our family experience. And I think that part of the pro process of our corporate worship should have an effect in our individual in our individual family setting. Because that's when you manifest. He says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your rational service. And so when we talk about, when we talk about this thing called family, this thing called home, we cannot exclude God from that reality. I know families that do not have God in their homes. And their homes are good, quote unquote good. I know families that don't serve the Lord. And they're happy homes. For instance, my father-in-law didn't get saved till shortly after my wife and I were going out. And he was a great example of how to be a father to his daughter. But that does not mean that his home was a good home, if that makes sense. Because what, this, what determines a good and a healthy home is not the amount of dollars you have in your bank account. It's not what side of the tracks you live on. It's not even your pedigree or your upbringing. Because the only one who has the tools necessary for you to be a healthy person in your marriage is God. So once I take God out of my equation in my family, then my family is set up to fail. But sometimes when we see God, we only see God in this setting, corporate worship. I'm coming to church because I want to feel the Lord. Well, we're supposed to have the Lord with us everywhere we go. He's supposed to be reigning in your house, in my house. All of the decisions that you make in your house, God ought to be in those decisions. Because if spirituality was the end result of corporate worship, the Bible says, even the rocks will cry out. So what determines you to live out? John 10, 10 says, I have come that you may have life and life. What determines 
effective living absent from God? And the answer is nothing. And so today, I want to talk about some elephants in our living rooms. And I don't know if you don't, I'm assuming everybody here knows what that phrase means, right? The elephant in the room. The elephant is in the room is that thing in the house that is so obvious, but we don't address it. It's there, but it's not there. You can't see it with your eyes, but you see it in the aura. It's just, it's just there. Have, have you ever had an elephant in the room while you was having dinner at the table? And the second saying, can you pass me the sugar? You're like, can you pass me the trunk? I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is that thing that you know is a problem in your home, but you have decided and concluded, I ain't going to deal with it. I'm not going to handle this issue. Now, now in your, in your little closet by yourself, you have your own little arguments. <laughs> but when it's time to confront the issue, we tend to have this mentality that says, I ain't going to deal with it. And some people feel that ignoring the problem is a good thing. Others feel that ignoring the elephant is actually an act of kindness. Others feel, oh my God, he must love his wife because he knows what she's doing and he is just enduring the fight of faith. Oh my God, she must love him and he must love her because I know that he knows what he's doing and look at him, he's like, he's, he's just... Taking it. Ignoring the elephant does not mean that you're lovable. Ignoring the elephant does not mean that you are humble. Ignoring the elephant does not mean that you have attained a level of spirituality because if spirituality had to do everything with ignoring the elephant of the room, so then how do you deal and answer this narrative we're going to read in Genesis chapter 3? In Genesis chapter 3. That hurt it with There's an elephant in the room. What it says. Genesis 3 verses 9 through 20. And the Lord God called Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I command you not to eat? Then the man said, the woman you gave to be with me. Because men, whenever, time, whenever you're under pressure, you want to bring somebody else. 
the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And God was like, all right, okay. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And when the woman is in the corner, <laughs> look what she did. She deceived me, and I ate. Notice how God asked Adam and Eve questions. But the serpent, he doesn't ask a question. He says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast on the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all of the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. She will bruise your head, talking about the serpent, and you will bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, <laughs> I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In other words, you, you, every time you get pregnant with contraction pains, <laughs> that's this. I will multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. And look what he says. And your desire shall be for your husband. In other words, from now on, whatever you want to do, you ain't got that desire no more. Your desire, right, that word desire is whatever you want to do now is subject to him. Because she took a role that did not belong to her. She had no business eating of the tree. I'll preach that another day. That's, that's, that's good right there. Yeah. Verse 17. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded or heard the voice of your wife, and you ate from the tree which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. That's crazy, right? Because... Eve got pain with having babies because she disobeyed. Adam didn't get pain for disobeying when he ate. But the effects of his sin affected his environment. He says, he says, because you have heard the voice of your wife and eaten from the tree, I command you, you shall not eat of it. Look what he says. Curse is the ground for your sake. Because of his disobedience, everything around him is cursed. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken for dust you are, and dust you shall return. So every time you sweat, thank Adam for that. And Adam called his wife. Notice, notice, notice verse 20. Up until this moment, Adam's wife don't got a name. He gave her the name of Eve after they both failed. In other words, I don't want you to be with me no more. You even, I'm out. Leave me alone. He said, 
He named his wife because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, a man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now let's put out his hand and take also the tree of life. Long story short, God took him out of the Garden of Eden. So today I want to focus my attention. Not the day they disobeyed. I want to focus my attention the next day. What was the conversation that Adam and Eve had in their living room the next day after they got kicked out the garden? Because if there's something to talk about, surely there's something to talk about the next day after they got kicked out. But when you read the scripture... They don't address, at least the Bible don't narrate it. When you reach out to four, they don't narrate or address the elephant in the room. And chapter four just shows us that they kept on living life, not addressing the elephant in the room. Chapter four, verse one says, now Adam knew, the word knew is had relations. And Adam had sexual relations with Eve, his wife, and she had a baby, and she named him Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then, she, they love sex. And then they had another baby. Started having babies and doing life and never confronting the issue. Because sometimes we feel... That as long as I ignore the problem and just live life as if nothing happened, that's going to solve the problem. No, it's not. Because they did not address the elephant in the room is the reason why one of his sons killed his other son. When you don't address the elephant in the room, there's going to be death in the relationship you are a part of. But there's a spirit of Houdini in the church. Houdini was this guy that you would tie him up and he'll escape. There's a spirit of escapism in the church where we feel like out of sight, out of mind. I've, as long as I don't think about it, let me tell you something. If you don't address that elephant in your house, in your marriage, in your relationship, and you're trying to live life like nothing's going on, it's only a matter of time. They were living like nothing happened, having babies, working. Now, how awkward must that has been for them? Because if I'd have been Adam, the first thing I would have done, oh, so, so, so you're going to blame the serpent, huh? If I was Eve, how dare you blow up my spot in front of God like that? Talk about my wife. If I, listen, if I would have been Adam, I would have dealt with the issue right there and there. But God, but that's not, but God, Pastor Gabby, that's not spiritual. Listen, God, some of us feel that confrontation is not spiritual. Because the Bible says we have to be humble. God, who is the most spiritual being in the planet, when Adam and Eve sinned, he confronted them. 
He said, Adam, where are you? And then after he confronts him, he asks him a question. Not that God don't know the answer. Of course God knows the answer. But when you confront, I would have had that conversation with Eve. Yo, yo, you threw me under the bus like that. Can you imagine the conversation? Can you imagine Adam and Eve having to pack up their bags? And while they're moving, getting kicked out of the garden, the things he must have thought of her and the things she must have thought of him. Having, losing it all. I'm talking about the garden, the presence, everything, the tree of life, the tree of, and losing it all. And now Adam has to sweat. Every time I would have sweat, if I'd have been Adam, damn wife. They never talked about the eviction. They never talked about the pain that they felt when they had to get kicked out of God's presence. Adam never told his wife how painful it was to work eight hours a day. They didn't talk about the embarrassment that all the animals in the garden saw that they had to leave. They didn't talk about anything. They simply lived life as if nothing Now, what's the problem in living life as if not? You fall into a spirit of deception where you think because you are not dealing with the issue, the issue ceases to be. But the problem with that is, is that the longer it takes you to deal with the problem, the deeper roots that problem is going to have. And when you finally decide to deal with it, your roots are so deep in the in the crevices of your heart, then now it's so difficult for you to forgive the way God wants you to forgive. So what's the result of not addressing the elephant in the room? When you don't address the elephant in the room, you begin to develop a false perception of that person. Let me explain. When you start assuming a false reality of that person, well, since she's not dealing, since she's not confronting it, I'm guessing she's okay. Since he's not addressing the elephant in the room, well, everything must be okay. And you begin to create a false perception because you think that his silence means I'm okay with it. And you can fall into the entrapment of having a marriage and a relationship based on perception that is not true to the point that then you realize You've been living together, but you don't love each other. You've been enduring marriage, not enjoying marriage. False perception. Consequence. Number two, you begin to create a spirit of separatism or what we call cliques or cliches. You begin to reject that person and Create circles of relationships where that person does not fit. These are all consequences of not dealing with the elephant in the room. And you think, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you're going to see him. But the problem is with this, that even though you don't solve the problem, life still goes on. And you still have to live life. And you still got to go to work. And you still got to pay your rent. And you, still, and you could get caught up in doing life. 
With unresolved issues at the table, and the elephant is getting bigger by the moment, we could get caught up in doing life and ignore the problem that will ultimately create havoc in any relationship and any family. So what do we have to do? We have to confront that elephant in the living room. You have to confront it. But pastor, but, but you know, listen, listen to me, listen to me. If you don't confront that situation you're going through, you're displaying the spirit of Satan. That sounds so hard, right? But dug it out and swallow it. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? What did they do? They were hiding. They were hiding. Because every time, every time, every time you neglect addressing the elephant in the room, the spirit of Satan. Listen, Satan is called the prince of darkness. He operates in darkness. He operates where nobody can see. And he want to put you in a realm where you are unable to be watched and seen. But God is telling us this morning and today, it is time to deal with the elephant and the room and contend to the glory of God. <laughs> Got to confront it. But pastor... I don't know, I, you know, the reason why I don't confront the pastor is because I come from the Bronx, pastor. <laughs> and I say it like it is. So I'd rather, I, I'd rather be quiet because I don't want to offend nobody. Because, you know, where I come from, How do you address the elephant in the room? I'm, I'm going to give you six, six ways. How do you handle the elephant in the room? Ignoring it is not the option, so delete that. That's not the option. Which is why, which is why, if you ignore the problem, here's what usually happens. When your kids graduate from high school, then you separate, you get divorced. When you finally retire and you can spend the rest of your life with your significant other, you go solo. Because you never dealt with the issue. And what kept you in a relationship was responsibility. But now when that responsibility is over, I'm a little vida loca. When you don't deal with the issues in your home and you run out of responsibility, you're going to run away. How do you handle, how do you address the elephant in the room? Number one, here's how. You that are from New York, and I say like it is. We must speak truth in love. Look what the Bible says, Ephesians 4.15. Speaking truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is head, which is Christ. It's not just that you speak truth. I caught you. I got proof. Here you go. 
Because you could be right and lose a fight. Let me, let me get down. You guys are nervous. Let me get down. You, you, can be, you can be right and be wrong. If you are driving on 192, right? You're driving in your car, right? And the light is green in your favor. We all know that red means and green means. And you're driving in your car. And as you're driving, the light is green. What does that say? That you have the right to go. But at the intersection, there's an 18-wheeler truck driving at 90 miles per hour. And his light is red, but he's not stopping. So the question is, are you going to keep on driving just because you got the right? Because you could have the right, but if you keep driving past the light, you're going to be dead right. So sometimes not having the answer is the way out. That's why when you speak, you got to speak truth in love. That at the end of the day, I'm not interpreting your portion of what's right and wrong. I can read your heart and your heart stems out of love. Give an example. Right before they all kill Jesus, he has the Holy Communion, right? Sister 12 on the table. <laughs> and Jesus says, one of you guys going to betray me. That was the truth. That was the truth. But Jesus didn't do. And yo, Peter, Bartholomew, Thomas, it was, it's Judas. At the end of this dinner, go get bats and whips and beat them. He didn't do that. Jesus spoke the truth in love. And what happened? It was so much love. What's up, bro? How you doing? It was so much love that all 12 decided to say, Lord, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And Jesus never blew up Judas' spot. Though he spoke truth. So, so you can speak truth, but if you don't speak out of love and you're speaking out of truth, out of vengeance, you lost. If you speak truth out of hatred, you lost. Because in this thing called the kingdom of God, what governs is love. Because if I have faith to move mountains and I have not love, I am nothing. You confront the element, the elephant in the room. You got to confront it with love. Here's another one. How to confront the elephant in the room. When you respond, are, are you guys writing this? Because y'all looking at me like, write this now. The next time you want to tell them three things, time out. Tell them, notes, open up. Okay. No, no, just look at the look at the podcast. You find the podcast. Here's the other one. Respond with a good character. Because, because you have to respond. 
you have to address it. But when you do it, do it with a good character. James 1.19 says this. Everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. In other words, how you, not how I feel, how you feel should be more important to me than how I feel. Have you ever been in an argument, right? In an argument, right? You arguing, we are, no, I, I keep picking on her. You, you're in an argument, right? And, 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 and he's arguing at me, but while he's telling me what he's telling me, I'm not listening to what he's saying. I'm just thinking, are you finished? Because I got to tell you three things. And he's sharing his heart, but in my mind, I'm just ready to respond that I'm not paying attention that what he's telling me is connected to his hurts. The Bible says, be slow to speak and quick to hear. Be slow to speak. Some of us were quick to speak and slow to hear. It's like the parent that whips the child, and then he says, you know, somebody broke a plate. The parent hits all three of them, and then at the end of the all whip, who did it? <laughs> Slow to speak. Quick to hear. Here's another one. How do you address the elephant in the room? Measuring your words. Sometimes, sometimes, before I speak, I count to 10, backwards, 10, 9, in my head, 8, 7, because I, 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 I know that when I, whatever comes out of my mouth, I can't put it back in. So if I say, you're this, and 15 minutes later, about, you know, uh, put some little, uh, 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 you know, uh, you know, <laughs> The little slow jam of J-Lo talking about. <laughs> and, I, and I take her out to eat. And I take my wife out to eat. And you know what? And I take her out to eat. And you know what? And you know what? And I'm thinking. It's all right. I put the nice music on. I took her out to eat. So that has got to cover. And, and, and when she starts eating that steak, well done, she's going to delete the words I told her. No, it's not going to happen just because you gave her steak and a piece of fry. <laughs> That's why you have to measure what comes out of your mouth. Look what the Bible says. Isaiah 55, 11. God is talking about his own mouth. He says this. So my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return empty. But it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I say. If God is saying, when I speak, I can't bring it back empty. How much more you when you speak? How do you address the elephant in the room? Here's another one. Addressing the elephant, listen to this, with Justice. Let me explain. I, I got to explain what justice. Right. Justice is not righteous. There's a difference between being just and being righteous. For example, okay, I, I can't explain it, so I won't. Um, okay, no, no, I, I, yeah, uh, John, Jonathan, come here, come here, John. This is, this is, this is justice. 
right? There's a difference between justice and righteousness. There's a difference between justice and equality. Equality says, you did it to me. I'm doing it right back to you. Dug it out. Equality says, we all get the same portion. Justice says, If we are, if we are, if we are in front of a fence or a brick wall, brick wall right now, I want you to imagine a brick wall. You see it? Because I am higher than he is, I can see the other side of the brick wall. He can't see it. So now because he can't see it, Ellis, come here. You're going to have to dug it out right now, okay? Get back. Get on your hands and feet. Get on your hands and feet. No, not you. You. Come on. He go. See, see, see. Because, because. How's he back? Your back is okay? All right. Because he can't see what justice does. It creates a platform so he can get on top of, so that he can see what I see. So justice says, okay. Now, the problem with justice is that the guy climbing don't know what he's doing, but that's okay. Right there. See, this is, all right, get down. That's how you're going to break his back. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's justice. Now, I can stand next to my son and say, that's not fair. How come I don't got a stool and he got one? That's equality. Sometimes in the kingdom, there's no, some, there's no room for equality. Sometimes in the kingdom, to be just means you might not get the best end of the stick, but because the goal of the relationship is that the relationship grows, so he might get the benefit, but at the end of the day, you're manifesting a heart of justice. Job 27 and 4 says, my lips will not speak unjustly, nor will my tongue mutter deceit. So how am I going to confront the elephant, in, the elephant in the room? Speaking with truth and with justice. God, there's so much I got to say. Another one. Confronting the elephant in the room. How do you do it? Responding with a sweet spirit. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Have you ever lived that? Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. You, you piece of. Look, look at you. And in your, and in your, in your, in your inside, have you felt your hot, your blood get hot? Have you felt it? And, and, and you're there, and, and she's just telling you off, or he's just telling you off, and you, and you're just like your mama. Look at you, 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 you're no good of a man, you're no good of a woman, you hoochie looking, and, 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 and your blood, and, and, and while he's, while she's telling you that in your mind, you see yourself lifting up a refrigerator, hitting her on the head with it, 
Because when you speak with no gentleness, you create havoc. But look what he says. Look what he says. He says, he says, harsh words stir up anger, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. Having a gentle answer does not mean you're being fake. It means you're speaking truth with love. Here's another one. Proverbs 15.5 says, a soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. That's why the writer of Colossians tells us this in six, chapter 4, verse 6. He says, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. He says, when you speak, speak as if you were salt. What does, what, what does the salt do? The salt gives flavor. Salt preserves God is saying, when you speak, whatever you speak should bring flavor and not bitterness. That when you open your mouth to your spouse, to your kids, or kids to your parents, that when you open your mouth, you bring flavor in the home. And also, salt preserves. You, you know how many people are divorced, and they're divorced, and they still love each other? They're not divorced because they don't love each other. They're divorced because they don't know how to speak to each other. But what happens if you start speaking with salt? Save your relationship. Preserve your relationship. Bring flavor to the relationship. Let me tell you, my wife one time, You got a bad rap here in this church. <laughs> One time my wife, in the middle of an argument, in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the moment, and back then we didn't have iPods or iPads. I, I couldn't press play, but set the tone. It was just crazy. My wife was pregnant. My wife was pregnant. She got so angry at me that she took the nearest thing she had and she threw it at me. Uh, Danny, play the piano so I could uh, uh, make my wife look good some kind of way with the piano. So I... <laughs> and we was going at it. And why you did this? And how dare you do this to me? And no, no, make it slower, please, slower. And all of a sudden, she picks up an iron and she throws it at me. <sighs> now I got I got like I got like 1.2 seconds to make a decision. <laughs> do I duck? Do I run? Do I matrix stop? <laughs> she threw me the iron. So I'm looking at that, that metal thing coming and the cable in the back like that. <laughs> I ducked and the iron went, went and made a hole in the wall. 
in the door. That's when I knew. <laughs> Babe, have you realized why you never iron my clothes? <laughs> my wife never irons my clothes. I ain't stupid. I keep it with the clothes, you know, wash the clothes or something. But you ain't going to iron, no iron. Wash clothes. That was the first and last time she threw me an iron. <laughs> now she's tasing me. No. That's a joke. Here's my point. We, we've been married 23 years now. What we went through that caused that iron to fly does not compare with the things we've been through the 22 years after that moment. But we grew. We grew. We realized that speaking has more power than actions. We realized that speaking has power. Think about it. The entire world was made by words. And God said, let there be light. The entire world. Because you have the power to make things happen with your mouth. Or destroy things with your mouth. So chapter chapter 1, chapter 2, God uses words to build. Chapter 12, man used words to, fit, to sin against God. That's the Tower of Babel. So God brought confusion in language because they were distorted in their hearts. So what comes out of your mouth is either going to build to edify or build to destroy so I want to challenge you today to confront the elephant in the room how pastor take those pointers I gave you confront it with justice truth speaking truth in love building with your words so that the outcome of that conversation is not to prove who's right or who's wrong because if you're wrong and he's right because you're a marriage you're both wrong the goal is that we can grow as a marriage that we can restore ourselves as a marriage children measure your words honor your parents with what comes out of your mouth because one day you will be a parent as well and as we honor God, confronting the elephant in the room in love will bring life.